BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to Raising Good Humans. I'm Dr. Elisa Pressman, and today I'm continuing this conversation with Lisa Demore. Dr. Lisa Demore is one of the world experts on adolescence. She's just written a new book, The Emotional Lives of Teenagers. Last week, we talked about the landscape of adolescence, some of the myths that we perpetuate and that actually can scare us during the time that we're already feeling a lot of during this time of transition to parenting teenagers. And this week, we're talking about when to worry, some of the issues that adolescents are struggling with, how to respond, particularly when to seek support or when there isn't support to be sought because there's kind of a shortage in what we can do as parents. If you enjoy this episode, please don't hesitate to write a little review. Subscribe to drlisa.substack.com. And on Apple, I have an exclusive Raising Good Humans premium where every season we focus on one topic, just get little bite-sized nuggets each week to help support your parenting. Now. The part of the conversation that gets tricky is figuring out what to do in real time when you have those big feelings, challenging emotions coming at you and when you need help. So we've been talking about, you know, how I define mental health in this book, and it's not about the presence or absence of distress. What it's really about is how emotions are handled, you know, like what kids do when they have a negative feeling. and. The distinction that we're interested in clinically is, do they get relief in ways that are effective and harmless, or do they get relief in ways that are effective and costly? And so one of the first things I want us to really assess as parents in terms of like the when to worry question. Yeah. Right? So your daughter fails a test. She is deeply upset by this. If she goes and plays her sad playlist and cries, for a while, if she rolls around on the floor with the dog for comfort, if she calls her friends and talks about how awful that test was, and then if she gets out her planner and tries to figure out how she's going to study for the next one in a way that reduces the chances this happens again, that is phenomenal. That is excellent. That is as good as this gets. There's no improving on that. The distress is going to happen. All of those ways I just articulated, those are all very effective, no-cost solutions. If she failed the test and is like, 
I am so upset. I'm going to go get really high. I am so upset. I'm going to go call everybody else and find out what they got to see if I actually didn't do as badly as I thought I did. And I'm going to start to burn some social bridges along the way. If she is a total pill to everyone for days because she's so upset, all of these things are going to give her some relief. They're all coming with a price tag, much less things like self-harm or, you know, taking it even somewhere scarier. Right. So that's what we're assessing. It's not the distress that's happening. It's how kids decide to try to find relief for their distress and whether there's a cost or not. It's so major because sometimes we get so stuck in the distress, like we're just seeing a very sad or angry or whatever the challenging feeling is feeling. And that's where you end in your assessment of how your kid is doing. But where they get the relief is such a better picture. It's like a little bit like, you know, the the attachment literature and it's not the separation, it's the reunion. But yep. I love this and I want to just keep going with this. So how do you avoid co-rumination? Oof. Okay. So when we think about how kids get relief, we put it into two big buckets. Sometimes they get relief by expressing what they're feeling. Sometimes they get relief by actually finding ways to bring those emotions back down to size. Talking about feelings is in the expressing bucket, right? Talking about how we're feeling. And often it is hugely effective, right? If I come to you and I'm like, oh, Lisa, I had a terrible day. And I tell you about my day and you let me, and then you say nice, empathic things. That alone will largely solve the problem most of the time, right? And same with our kids. If we just let them tell us what's upset them and we say, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Tell me more. And man, that stinks. That usually goes very, very far. We do at times see we're talking stops helping. We're talking about a problem, turns into what we call rumination, which is really sort of spinning your wheels. The more you talk, the worse you feel. The best analogy is like sort of like picking at an emotional wound, like you're just sort of, you know, stuck on it and making it worse. And one thing we know, and this actually comes from some of the gendered research, girls sometimes can fall into what we call co-rumination, which is where they do this together, where they, you know, a very detailed analysis of a problem that goes on for a very long time does not solve the problem, but leaves both of them feeling worse, right? And and that is problematic. And so one, you know, kind of feels like a radical idea that I'm asserting in this book is that when you're there to help your kid feel better, or when it's time for your kid to get support feeling better, Talking about what they're feeling is one strategy out of a great number of strategies. And the book has numbers and numbers of strategies. And sometimes it's actually not the right response, or sometimes it goes too far and actually you need to come up with something else. So if your kid is ruminating or she and a friend are ruminating together, and it becomes clear like they are just spinning their wheels, they are feeling worse as they go, it's a good time to say, you know, talking often helps. But what I'm noticing is the more you guys are talking about it, the worse you feel. Would it help to change her mental channel? Would it help to switch gears? Do you guys want to like just go watch a funny movie for a little while? Doesn't mean the problem is fixed. Doesn't mean we're saying the problem doesn't matter. It does mean that you might get relief from taking your mind off of it for a little while. And what you need right now is some relief. So now let's, on the other side of it, those kids, they're not co-ruminating because they're not talking about it, but you you have a sense that they are at a high level of distress, it's worrying you, but you can't get them to communicate what's happening for them. 
I have to tell you, Elisa, I think this is like one of the most painful aspects of being a parent of a teenager that I hear about is when you can see that your kid is in pain and you are saying, what's going on? Are you okay? And they are shaking you off, giving you nothing. I mean, that is just horrible as a parent. Okay. So here's the reassurance. Kids talking about their feeling, that's one option for feeling better. So I'll come back to like how to, you know, what we can do to help kids open up. But I also want people to know that sometimes kids don't want to talk, but they do want to be comforted. And I actually had a kid say to me, you know what, by the time I get home, I am 90% over the thing that has made me upset and rehashing the whole thing from my family is not going to help me feel better. But what she did want was like the dog and someone to rub her back or someone to offer her her favorite food. So we can help kids with their feelings without actually even knowing the specifics of what has distressed them. And that's, I think, something that we don't always feel is available to us. The other thing we often observe is that sometimes kids will use distraction to just get a little break. They'll go watch something familiar or funny, and that helps them feel better. Sometimes kids will discharge their emotions non-verbally. They will go bang on drums. They will go for a run. They will scream into a pillow. Right? I mean, teenagers scream into pillows. Again, may give them tremendous relief, does no harm. Right? That that is, if it works for them, they will journal. Right? Kids, that's another way that kids express emotion that brings relief. Music is huge for teenagers in the management of their emotions. Sometimes they will listen to mood matching music. And we have research showing it actually helps them to get past the feeling. So if your really angry kid goes in his room and is listening to really angry music, that might be frightening to you as a parent. But if he comes out in a better space, it probably worked. And we have data showing that's how that happens. And sometimes they'll listen to mood countering music. They'll be in a terrible mood and then they're like, you know what, I'm going to put on my pump up playlist. And they use the music to manipulate their moods. And so I'm trying to like give as many examples as I can about like where them telling us what's wrong is actually not the solution. And yet there are lots of other solutions available. And so is part of it our work to get comfortable or just accept that we can be supportive and not know everything that's happening? Hugely. And, and I'll say it back to you in another way. I think that it's very easy as a parent to think when my kid is upset, the solution is that my kid tells me what's wrong and then I share my wonderful wisdom with them and that's how we solve this, right? Like, and why wouldn't that seem like a really good solution? And we have to remember, that's our script, right? The kid's script may be, I had a really hard day and I want to come home and watch Phineas and Ferb while I eat a snack I've been waiting for all day and that's what's going to help me feel better. And we as adults may be like, Really? Like that looks kind of weak. <laughs> that doesn't seem adequate to what I think maybe you be you may be up against. But one of the other things that I think we have to remember as parents is that teenagers feel everything more intensely, both the negative and the positive. And I remember in the pandemic, my older daughter, she was a sophomore and junior in high school in the pandemic. You know, it was awful. We were all miserable. And every once in a while she'd say, I need to go vibe. And she would go get a candle and some tea and sit there and be blissful. And I would look at her thinking, I am so jealous. <laughs> like A candle and a tea is not going to change much for me. But at 15, 16, 17, with their highly you know, intense emotions, they get a lot out of candle and tea and Phineas and Ferb and their favorite snack. We don't, we don't want to count those out. 
And now a word from my sponsors. You know, on those cold weather days, we even have them in California. You just appreciate having a great set of sheets and just getting cozied up in there. Well, that's how you feel when your bowl and branch sheets are on the bed and you can just climb on in and it is delicious. They're made with 100% organic cotton threads and they get softer with each wash. But when I opened these sheets, I was like, oh my God, these are so soft. I put them against my face. They're just divine. These sheets are made from slow grown organic cotton for a superior softness and better night's sleep. They feel truly buttery to the touch. They're super breathable. They're perfect for both cooler and warmer months. And they are so luxurious. Three U.S. presidents have used them. And they're made without toxins, free from pesticides, formaldehyde, and other harsh chemicals so you can feel great about them. Make the most of bedtime with bowl and branch sheets. We need sleep to be phenomenal. And we get so little of it. So make the most of bedtime. Get 15% off your first order when you use the promo code HUMANS at bowlandbranch.com. Exclusions apply, so see for details. B-O-L-L-A-N-D branch.com. Promo code HUMANS. I definitely, the older I get and as a mom who wants to be healthy, I really am loving the possibilities of being able to better take care of yourself in a more targeted way. And Inside Tracker takes a personalized approach to health and longevity from the, the most trusted and relevant source, your body. They use data from your blood, DNA, and fitness trackers. And Inside Tracker gives you personalized and science-backed recommendations on things you can take control of to optimize your health like food, supplements, workouts, and lifestyle choices, including ways to optimize sleep and stress. Inside Tracker tests and provides optimal ranges for over 40 biomarkers. And what I love most is, of course, that they have a strict science-backed approach to everything that they do. They really provide recommendations that match what your body is going to need. For a limited time, you can get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store when you sign up at insidetracker.com slash humans. So if you are ready to get a crystal clear picture of what's going on inside your body, visit insidetracker.com slash humans. I-N-S-I-D-E-T-R-A-C-K-E-R dot com slash humans and prioritize your health. How, if you get the sense that your child needs outside support, what are the key ways to know, including asking, whether your child needs a therapist? And is it the kind of question where if the answer is no, you respect that? Mm. Mm, That's interesting. Okay. So two-parters. So the first is like when to worry, like when are you, yeah. is it time to be concerned? So if we go back to those two buckets, kids express emotions, kids bring emotions under control to manage them. 
there's all sorts of healthy forms of expression. And I actually offer like handbook of these in the book, you know, there's talking, there's being validated, there's, you know, nonverbal expression. There's all of these ways we can get kids talking. There's all sorts of things we can do. We worry about expression that does harm. So when they are hurting other people, either with their words or their actions, where they are hurting themselves, we worry when the expression of a feeling is so overwhelming that it's actually getting in the way of their day. They are so anxious. They can't go to school. They're so sad. And we would call it depressed that it's actually undermining their lives. When the expression of an emotion is, I would say, chairing the board or making things worse, you know, or harming anyone involved, then we know it's time. On the bringing emotions back under control, there are all sorts of healthy ways to do it, right? Sometimes distraction, comfort, problem solving, reframing, you know, changing perspective, all sorts of things. There are also unhealthy ways to try to control feelings. Substances are at the top of this list. Compulsive behaviors, eating disorders are often an attempt to get feelings back under control, you know, at a, at a very high price, or distraction. So video games are complicated in kids' emotional lives. But if a kid is playing video games nonstop because they're using them to not think about something else and they're doing it for hours, like that is grounds for concern. Or the other term we use is just emotional suppression, just stuffing it in, stuffing it in. That is grounds for concern. So it's helpful just to think, you know, is the coping costly? And if the coping is costly, it's time to get help. Okay. Now that may be your wish that you want your kid to get help. Your kid may or may not be on board with that. What I would say is work with your pediatrician, work with trusted clinicians in your community to find a good fit for your kid. Get guidance from that clinician about how maybe to get your kid to be interested in therapy. And if your kid is like, I am not doing this, like it's not happening. What I would say is, and I think this is something people don't know is always available. A lot of clinicians who care for teenagers and kids, myself included, we also do parent guidance. And so if your kid doesn't want to come in, that's fine. You come in and I will support you as you are working your way through this with your child. And it may be where we can get your teenager to the place where they do want help. And then the help will be more useful. So just because your kid doesn't want to go doesn't mean you can't make good use of a clinician. And when everything in the daylight seems okay, and then right before bedtime, which is so typical, the big feelings come out and their only source of connection with you is to just go through all the sadness or all the worries. But it's like just after you've said goodnight or the day is, you know, that just that sense Mm -hmm. like night brings all of that Mm -hmm. up. Can we talk about different scenarios where we might be getting better connection or we might be, you know, watering that plant a little bit and how to kind of find that middle ground? So one thing that I talk about in the book that I learned while writing this book is that it's surprisingly common, like extremely common for teenagers to wait until their parents or a parent are in bed to want to talk to them. Mm. And it's like, you're like, we've all, I mean, I have had this experience where you're like, oh my Lord, I'm like trying to shut it down. I'm exhausted. And now here my kid is like nonstop telling me everything. And this isn't like ideal for the parent by any measure. But I, I work out in the book why I think it's ideal for the kid. And, you know, the nature of being a teenager is you want to be independent. And so if your parent says over dinner, how are you? Tell me what's going on. Okay, well, now you're already on their agenda. You're already on their timing. You're not so independent. 
Whereas if you wait till your parent's in bed and no longer has any agenda beyond trying to go to sleep, yeah, then you show up, you start the meeting when you want to start the meeting. You also get to dictate the agenda for the meeting because your parent is not going to introduce anything new at that time of night because we're just trying to shut it down. And also, if it starts to feel too much, you can just leave, right? You can say, all right, I'll let you guys go to sleep and then you can head out. And very rarely is a parent going to stand up and follow the kid out of the room to keep the conversation going. So I think that level of control that kids have in those moments fosters connection. I know that there's some downsides to this. I think we should be open to it, right? We want our teenagers to talk to us. We want to connect with them. I get it why that that time of night works well. I would say maybe get in bed a little earlier if, you know, if it's becoming, you know, kind of a pattern. If it's when your kid wants to talk, it's an important time to make available. Okay. But then there's time when suddenly you're like, this is going nowhere or getting worse, right? right? This is worse. And what I would say is that we do not talk nearly enough about the critical importance of sleep in emotion regulation. Like, honest to goodness, like the research on it is so powerful. And when kids have not gotten enough sleep, they are, you know, really, really ragged in every possible way emotionally. And when kids get more sleep, they look a lot better. So I think that if a parent starts to sense that this has turned the corner from being, you know, a meaningful time to connect and talk about what's on the kid's mind into rumination, right, is probably where you're going to see this turn. I think then it's a really nice time to say, you know what, this is hugely important, but I also know you are very tired and let's try this. Why don't you just let your body sleep? Why don't you get some rest? Let's see if this looks any different in the morning. Mm -hmm. And that way of phrasing it, I hope is not the least bit dismissive while also saying you're going to feel better if you go to sleep. And I will tell you, one, you know how, I don't know if you have this experience, you're like, I can't believe that just came out of my mouth, like as a parent. But one, a lot. one day, one of, my, one of my daughters was really fed up with her classmates. And she was kind of on the little side. She was still pretty young. And she was just absolutely, and it felt like just she was tired and it was irrational. And she was just giving me, you know, so much grief about, not me grief, but like, so she was so upset about her classmates. And I finally said, okay, I think you need to go to bed. And she's like, all right, all right. I was like, why don't you, I couldn't believe I said this, but I said, why don't you go to bed so you could hate them with a full take of gas in the morning? Oh, <laughs> you know? That's really and like, I don't, I hope I didn't use the word hate. I might've, but I was sort of like, <laughs> I'm not going to fight you on the fact that you don't like your classmates yeah. today. Right. But I also think in the morning and sure enough in the morning, she's like, okay. And she was a completely different kid and ready to go to school. And she didn't hate her classmates, but it was how I like convinced her. I was like, you want to give this the energy it deserves. Why don't you go to bed now? Do it with a full tank. Okay, another break so I can tell you about my sponsors. Do you have a busy schedule? Sakara delivers ready-to-eat, plant-rich meals that help you feel your best, even during those weeks of back-to-back everything where you just want something to be a little bit easier. Ways to keep healthy, ways to make sure that you're getting the best nutrients possible without having to do some of that work. And I love meals that are ready to eat, delivered to my door, and actually help me feel really good. So for that, Sakara has an answer. And it's 
more than just a meal delivery program. It's like having a personal nutritionist and chef in one. These meals are expertly designed to support your goals, whether it's clearer skin or boosted energy, and they're just delicious. And I'm always looking for hacks to make my week easier. Sakara delivers science-backed, plant-rich nutrition programs and wellness essentials right to your door. Their ready-to-eat meals are nutritionally designed to deliver results from boosted energy to clearer skin to having a sense that you know what's going on and what's going into your mouth. And right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off their first order when they go to sakara.com slash humans or enter the code humans at checkout. That's Sakara S-A-K-A-R-A dot com slash humans to get 20% off your first order. Sakara.com slash humans. Every bite, you just feel like you are taking care of yourself. KiwiCo knows a thing or two about delivering moments of discovery through fun, hands-on projects. Each month, they deliver super cool science, technology, and art projects for kids. You can discover something like the science of rainbows by making rainbow-themed art while exploring color theory, exploring engineering and the physics behind dominoes. You can build real domino machines to learn that. I mean, these are easy-to-follow instructions with kid-friendly materials, and KiwiCo delivers legitimately every single component you need to tinker and build comes straight to your door. And all of a sudden, really cool stuff is happening and you had to just open a box. I personally am super into the rainbow making project, both because it is cool to learn about the science of rainbows, but also because rainbow themed art just makes everybody smile. Let Kiwi do the legwork for you. What a great way to shake things up and surprise them. All the legwork is done for you so you can spend quality time tackling the projects together or having a cup of coffee and reading the newspaper. And there's something for kids of all ages. So make 2023 the year of discovery with KiwiCo. Get 50% off your first month on any crate line at kiwico.com slash humans. That's 50% off your first month at kiwico.com slash humans. For parents who are really worrying because they feel like, I just, I, I've tried all of this. Something still feels really off. It's starting to scare me. There does seem to be, I mean, I almost feel like we should talk about the statistics of where mm-hmm. kids are today or where teenagers mm-hmm. are and like what percentage have a clinical mm-hmm. do. You know, you are so relief giving. Is there a way to kind of, lay out the landscape. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so there's obviously things like your kid might be very anxious in a way that means they can't do the things they want to do or need to do. Your kid may be very um, depressed, right? You may be worried that your kid's depressed. And, you know, the way we identify depression is that there's either low mood or in teenagers, highly irritable mood is what we tend to see much more than actually the kind of sadness. We yeah. see extreme irritability. So if you see that, you should be concerned. And not like they're irritable with you occasionally or even often. They can't stand you. They can't stand their teachers. They can't stand their classmates. They can't stand anybody. That is not typical to adolescents. And, and that is grounds for concern. If you have any concerns along those lines, like get your kid evaluated. 
Okay, then there's the question of suicide, right? And this is in the headlines. It is absolutely terrifying. We are seeing, you know, a lot of stories about it, a lot of reports about it. There's no way to be a parent of a teenager right now and not be worried about this. And it's really hard in your house if your kid has a very intense moment or you're, you know, that you can tell they're upset. I don't know that you can be a parent of a teenager right now and not have your mind go there, which is terrifying, like absolutely terrifying. And what I would say is if you are worried about this, you can ask your kid. And I'm going to give some language for how to ask your kid. But before I do, I want to say this. We know from research that asking kids if they feel suicidal is actually not going to make them feel suicidal, which is often what gets in the parent's way. They feel like, I don't want to put the idea in their head. You can't do that. The other thing we know from research is that if a kid is suicidal, they feel better when somebody asks. They are glad somebody asked. So you can't lose with this. And I think that's an important thing to know. Now, in terms of how you broach it, we have to be mindful that kids care what we think, right? Back to where we were, like kids care what we think. And so it can catch them off guard if they were not thinking about this at all. It can catch them off guard to realize that we were thinking about it. So you might say something like, you know, you say your kid has a big upset and is very intense and you're scared. You're just scared. One way to go at it might be to say something like, you know, this may feel out of the blue. This may seem like a surprising question for me to ask, but I need to ask, like, you're really in a lot of pain. Have you had thoughts of harming yourself or ending your life? And if your kid is like, no, you can say, okay, but then let's just talk about how upset you are, right? That doesn't, you know, you, now you'll just do the work of the upset. If they say, I don't know, or I do, you're calling your pediatrician or you're going to the ER, right? I mean, that, that, so that's yeah. the divide. Now, there's one other thing teenagers do that's very challenging for parents is they use extreme language and they say things like, I don't want to be here anymore, or I could kill myself, or I wish this would all end. And again, this is horrifying, terrifying to parents. If your kid does this, just ask. Say, I heard what you said. Is this something you're really thinking about? Or is this you letting me know how upset you are right now? And same rules apply. If they're like, I don't know, maybe I am thinking about it. Okay, you're going to get help immediately. If they're like, no, that is just how upset I am. Okay, I maybe I you know, shouldn't have used those words or whatever. Fine. Now we're going to talk about how upset you are. But I want parents to know if you are scared, you can ask. But we also want to be mindful. I had a kid tell me, and I felt so much both for her and her mom in this scenario, that every time she was telling her mom she was upset about something, her mom was saying, but you're not going to kill yourself, are you? And I thought, and the kid was like, why is she doing that? And part of me was like, I know why she's doing that, but it wasn't working for the kid. And I felt so bad for both of them. So I think we want to be mindful of how we broach it with our teenagers. You you know, when you bring that up, it's worth mentioning more that how our kids perceive our ability or capacity to sit with them through challenging feelings is, like you said, the way we're looking at our toddler when they get hurt. It's like they don't know how big feelings can get in this world until they're experiencing them, whereas we do. So if we can sit without panic through that, it probably serves as some comfort. Huge, right? It is them looking at your face with when their knee is scraped. It is hugely powerful. And I will also say you're allowed to panic inside and do what you can to be a steady presence on the outside. 
And you're allowed to ask if you're really worried. Because again, parenting from a place of fear is a terrible place for the parent and it's actually not that helpful for kids. We do have in our minds that there's something vastly different about parenting teenagers today. What do you think? I think yes and no. I think the pandemic really rocked our worlds. And I think we're all trying to feel sturdy again. And so then when very standard disruptions that I have watched happen in adolescence for the nearly 30 years I've practiced, when those arise, I think they're scarier or more unsettling than they were before the pandemic. What I remain absolutely sure of is if we, the adults, can try to hold ourselves steady, feel like we've got a good repertoire for helping teenagers get back to a place of feeling safe and centered, that's the most useful thing we can do. And I think that that's how we find our way, the rest of the way out of this. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.